0: Hello and welcome to the latest in our series of Scottish Premiership season preview podcasts on Energy Sport. In this episode, we take a look at Aberdeen. Can they re-establish themselves as the best of the rest in Scotland, or is Derek McInnes in for another season of scrutiny at the My name is Sean McGill, and joining me to discuss the Dons is Chris Creighton, editor of the Red Final Fanzine. Chris, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm well. Yourself? Very good. Thank you. I guess the best way to start is to tell us a bit about the Red Final. I know it's been going for over 25 years now, but how did you come to be involved and um, what are you guys doing over there?
1: Uh, Well, as you you say, it started back in uh, 1993 um, when I was very much younger than I am today. um, (laughs) So I wasn't involved with it right from the start. Um, It was uh, a group of people who had, uh, most of them had already been involved in the fanzine scene. Um, with a kind of predecessor publication called Northern Light, um, which had kind of uh, ceased early 90s. Um, they decided that they wanted to go back into it and, and resumed it in 1993 under the name of the Red Final. Um, I had been buying it from day one, from the first uh, time that I'd seen it on the streets, and being uh, at school at the time that kind of anarchic, uh, independent kind of thing, which you know, was, was still quite subversive uh, back in the early 90s. Um, obviously, it was the sort of thing that appealed. Um, and after reading probably about six, seven, eight issues, something like that, I plucked up the courage to to, to write something, um, actually write it on a, a bit of paper and post it. <laughs> and then they typed it up and, and printed it. And that was kind of how I started. Um, so I became the editor um, of it in uh, 2000, I think, um, and have been ever since. And we're we're still cranking them out. We're up to uh, the next one will be issue uh, 140. But as and when that comes out, we've mm. got no way of knowing because obviously, if people aren't going to the games to yeah. to buy it, then it'll not be getting not be getting printed. So we're kind of yeah. in a bit of suspended animation at the moment.
0: Um. And Looking back at last season in terms of um, Aberdeen, it was a fourth place finish. European football again, and they really were on the heels of Houghton Hills and Um I think they were due to play them as well just before the yep.
1: shutdown. If that's The very right. day. So, the very day. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, So, is it a sort of a case of what could have been last season um, in terms of really pushing up the league and uh, sort of claiming that spot that I think Aberdeen fans see as theirs now, that third place? Uh, There's
1: an element of that, yeah I think uh, obviously we kind of let third place uh, slip towards the tail end of the season before uh, Kilmarnock uh, slipped past us for that Um, and I think it it probably would have been um, I I, I hesitate to say the minimum target but it certainly would have been a target for last season to to finish in the top three Um, I think given everything that happened um, and given the fact that Aberdeen had actually been in a really a pretty awful run of form um, just coming up to uh, the stoppage um, that had seen us looking over our shoulders really at, at Hibs and Livingston uh, more than looking ahead at Motherwell. I think given the fact that the season was curtailed in a way that we couldn't have, have anticipated, the fact that we were still in a European spot when the music stopped, if you like. Um, is I, I think people would say, well, okay, that could have been worse. It could have been a disaster, you know, if we'd um, we'd lost a couple of matches that um, that we managed to dig out against uh, right. Kilmarnock and Heavens. I think just before suspension, um, both of which we'd been uh, behind in, uh, and if we'd lost them both, then we wouldn't. We would have been outside the top four. Um, mm. So the, I think the fact that the season not reaching a natural conclusion, but still ended up qualifying for Europe, which definitely is the minimum target uh, as far as Aberdeen are concerned these days. Um, I think you have to say that it was it was satisfactory. I don't know if I'd go much further than that, um, but it's, it, it, there, are certain, there are others that I think you would feel more sympathy for. I think Livingston were on a really good run of form, yeah. um, and you know they were looking like well, they were probably coming up on our shoulder. And we would probably have to look ourselves in the mirror and, and be honest and say that by like, scraping ourselves into the, the Europa League rather than having to try and fend them off for another eight or nine matches, okay, we'll take that.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the sort of poor run of form and that's maybe one of the contributing factors to the pressure on Derek McInnes last season, which seemed to sort of be at a higher level than it ever had been before. Why is that, do you think? Is it was it down to these poor runs of form? Is it purely the style of play? Why is such a successful manager who's done so much for the club, seemingly under so much scrutiny from the fans?
1: I think it's probably twofold, really. I think part of it is, is sheer familiarity. Um, there, There is an element of truth to the the saying that familiarity breeds contempt. And you know, to, to, to finish fourth and still be in with a chance of winning the Scottish Cup Um, would have been seen as an extremely successful season seven years ago uh, when he arrived Um, but you know given that that is has become established as as the norm um, there is uh, always in the football support that I think the uh, the ex- expectation that their team should actually be able to outperform themselves. And obviously mm-hmm. everyone can't do that. It's, you know Football is, at the end of the day, a zero-sum game, and if you win, then someone else has to lose. Um, I think another part of it is probably the direction of, of travel. Um, as I said, fourth and being in with a chance in the Scottish Cup uh, would have been a vast improvement on what had come immediately before... Uh, Derek McInnes and for many, many years before that, actually. Um, But coming from where Aberdeen had been in the early years of Derek McInnes, it actually um, is a a slow and gradual downward trend. Um, So I think, you know, last season on top of the season before, um, which was utterly nondescript, really, it was pretty grim, um, suggests that, you know, people aren't seeing progress being made. They're seeing something really, really good that had been built kind of slowly drifting and, and uh, eroding. Uh, so I think any pressure that comes on him is, is because of that. It's because um, because the progress, which was, you know, there were a lot of quick wins when he first came in. It was easy to make things better because it was so bad. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, there is no longer uh, for the last two years, two and a half years, maybe there's no longer been any progress made because he'd reached such a high point that it started to kind of tail off. Um, so I think that's those are probably the, the main sources of what passes for pressure. But look, I've lived through managers who've been under much more pressure than Derek McInnes has ever been under um, at Aberdeen. And I think if you were to, to poll the majority, that supporters would say um, that they are, Content, uh, satisfied with uh, with his work over the last couple of years, with where he's got the club just now, um, they would have you know, approval rating inevitably would have been much higher than that. When the, you know they were regularly finishing second, and they won the league cup in two thousand and fourteen, but I don't think he's. I don't think he starts the season on the hot seat.
0: Does the style of play sort of feed into any of the sort of negativity around? McKenna, you said that it's maybe not as much pressure as other managers have faced, but it seems from the outside that over the last couple of seasons there has been more questions about um, how Aberdeen used the ball on the pitch. Um,
1: it becomes more of a problem when the results are, are, are not there. Um, it's, it's easier to, uh, to enjoy um, a reasonably controlled, controlling um, mm-hmm. unadventurous performance when it results in a 1-0 win with an Adam Rooney goal, which was basically what was happening for <laughs> two years prior yeah. to that. Um, but when exactly the same performance results in either a goalless draw or the team going one up and then conceding a, a silly goal immediately afterwards and spilling points in a match that it should have been able to see out, holes begin to appear in it. Um, yeah, I mean, it isn't the the most thrilling uh, Aberdeen team that has ever been constructed. That is absolutely accurate. But um, you balance that against the, the results. And uh, as long as they are uh, of a, a level that keep the majority of the support happy, then there will be a degree of, of latitude and tolerance as to the way in which they are Uh, they're brought about. I think that some of the signings that have been made over the last uh, 12 to 18 months indicate that that is something that he's aware of um, and something that if it is contributing to any uh, discontent or pressure on him, he is willing to, um, to try and uh, re- maybe not reinvent, but perhaps to return the team more to uh, the type of strategy that was more successful in previous seasons. I think probably the uh, the best years under Devitt McInnes were when Aberdeen had very much kind of all-control all midfield. Um, they would have you know, three quite close in the centre of midfield and would be able to retain possession with the majority of the attacking threat coming through pace on the wings and I think the team kind of got away from that a little bit Um, but I think in the signings of players like Dylan McGee and Matthew Kennedy um, and this summer Johnny Hayes tends to suggest that that's you know the kind of football that he's going to be wanting the team to play moving forward Um, and that will be more entertaining for the supporters to watch and on past experience, is probably more likely uh, to give the team better opportunities to,
0: to win more matches. You mentioned Johnny Hayes there. How do you see him fitting into this Aberdeen side? Because he showed it Celtic that he's an extremely versatile player. I'm sure he'd shown that before, but I think it was really apparent last season he'd sometimes play further up the field, it'd sometimes be left wing-back or left-back. How do you think he'll sort of, uh, what would be his role in this Aberdeen side?
1: That is probably something that's going to evolve um, as time goes on. Uh, I I suspect that he wasn't necessarily signed with a particular uh, role in mind. I suspect he was more signed partly because he's he's Johnny Hayes and he was available um, and he's very very popular at Aberdeen. Uh, He's a known quantity. Um, He's a game changer. Um, It was at least for the supporters to see a player that they would Um, held in such high esteem with returning to the club. Um, And also, I I dare say there's an element of he's better uh, in our tent than in someone else's. Because if he hadn't signed for Aberdeen, he might have signed for Dundee United or Hibbs or Motherwell or something like that. Um, It it was an unusual signing in terms of the position uh, that he would nominally expect to play because, I mean, Aberdeen had literally just seven or eight weeks before uh, the shutdown uh, committed a significant contract uh, and paid a transfer fee to bring in another left winger and Matthew Kennedy from St Johnston um, who uh, fitted in well immediately and and looked the partner and will probably go on to to be a much more significant part of things moving forward. Um, So it's unlikely that Hayes was targeted uh, for recruitment as a replacement for Kennedy.
0: Mm. Um,
1: will the two play in tandem, one on the left, one on the right? Possibility. I would imagine they probably will um, occasionally during the season. Obviously, there are plenty of other options on the right as well. There's Niall McGinn, there's uh, Connor McLennan. Uh, Ryan Hedges is still around as well. Um, so uh, that is not an area in which be were particularly uh, understocked Uh, last season the left back uh, suggestion I think has merit in it, I think the fact that uh, Hayes was bought basically put an end to any uh, possibility that Aberdeen would have had of retaining uh, Greg Lee who was essentially their uh, first choice left back last season and who under any other set of circumstances apart from the extreme ones that we find ourselves in would absolutely certain have stayed, I think Aberdeen had an option to Turn that into a permanent transfer he mm. certainly appeared to be content here and i'm sure he would have uh, he would have stayed so the fact that the signature of Hayes and obviously the financial ramifications of uh, of the matches being played behind closed doors and the end of last season being cancelled means that the funds simply do not exist to sign both so given that uh, Aberdeen were not able to complete the signing of Lee that is going to mean that someone other than the person that McInnes was probably expecting is going to have to spend next season playing at left back. Now, obviously Andrew Considine is the one who's going to have his hand up for that. He's played excellently there whenever he's been asked to do so. And I'm sure he will do so a lot, uh, this coming season, but for any number of reasons, uh, you know, he might get injured. He might be suspended. He might end up having to play center back if something happens to any of the, the other defenders there. Um, there will there may be occasions on which he's unavailable to play there. There may be occasions on which uh, um, McInnes simply wants to be a bit more adventurous, and, and you know if he wants to play, Hayes at left back behind Kennedy uh, on the left wing, um, you know, especially maybe in home matches against teams further down the league to give the team a little bit more um, ability to to set the terms of reference of the. Game game and push opponents off them, because that's something they really struggled with last season, was to be able to impose themselves um, on on teams that were um, that, that came to came to be solid. Mm. Um, so that's an option, um, and uh, possibly uh, the signing last season of Ronald Hernandez hints at the fact that that's something that he is going to be looking at, to have his full-backs um, or the players that are nominally selected at fullback being much more adventurous in attacking players than has been the case in the past because hernandez was brought here and McKinnis essentially said straight away he's not you know he's not 100 uh, percent confident in his abilities as a defender but he's he can go forward and will offer a lot um in the other half of the pitch so that's you know there's a possibility that he's uh, on one side Hernandez, and Debs on the other, might be the kind of default uh, pullback team in situations where he wants Aberdeen to be very much the aggressor uh, in matches. But Hayes' versatility will ensure that he will see plenty of game time uh, in various different places, I'm sure of that. Um, But whether he will, as he did last time he was at at Audrey, play uh, 35-40, games on the left wing i think that's
0: probably down hmm. and johnny hayes has been the only addition brought in so far this summer at petardary do you where else do you see aberdeen really needing to make additions any particular areas you feel like they really need strengthening and if they're if they are going to challenge um for third space this year uh,
1: i don't think so to be honest i think that um Aberdeen, unlike a lot of other clubs in the Premiership, have kind of um, taken a conscious decision to insulate themselves against uh, squad turnover. It's kind of ironic, really, that it's happened um, at a point in time where perhaps they would have actually liked a bit of freedom and latitude to get a few wages off the books, given that they're going to have a a shortfall in revenues. But uh, the only players that they've lost the only significant senior contributors that they've lost from the squad last season are the players who were here on loan uh, in Greg Lee and John Gallagher. Um, so I think the squad is basically there, it's ready to go. It, it, McInnes had already made a couple of additions essentially for this season in Kennedy and to a greater extent Hernandez who was brought in at great expense in January but hardly played a minute. Um, so it, in that extent, that the team or the squad was already there, was already prepared before um, before lockdown happened. So the fact that there hasn't been any significant transfer activity um, over the summer isn't necessarily a great concern as as far as Aberdeen are concerned, because it was always designed to be that way. Um, so. Will anyone else come in? That will depend largely on whether anyone else goes out, to be honest. Um, obviously, there are members of the squad who are um, who are players that we understand will be on the transfer radar of other clubs. We've already seen that uh, bids have been made for Sam Cosgrove uh, this summer. Obviously, Scott McKenna is another who has been the subject of significant transfer interest in the recent past. Um, if anyone from the squad is, is sold, uh, between now and, and the closure of the various transfer windows across Europe, then I would expect them to be replaced, albeit not necessarily pound for pound, obviously. Um, but other than that, I would not expect to see anything uh, anything else happen in terms of reinforcements to the squad. And I think, as I say, that's that, that's by design as much as by luck. Um, and I think that that puts us uh, puts us on a firmer footing than a lot of our. Uh, are direct rivals in the league who have had no option but to, to kind of cut back on the, the players that they have available to them. The Hibs um, are one who have been very conspicuous in bringing players in, uh, but aside from that, the majority of uh, clubs who will be playing for uh, European places, top six places, and uh, get towards the, the latter stages of competitions, will be operating this season on squads that are uh, smaller or of somewhat poorer quality than was the case last season um, and that does not hold in Aberdeen so I think we are we're, we're fairly content with where we stand.
0: You mentioned the bids coming in for Sam Cosgrove there and reports that um, one was accepted of £2 million. Were you surprised at all? Because some people felt that that was maybe an undervaluation considering the number of goals Cosgrove has scored over the last couple of seasons.
1: Um, I don't think you'd say you're surprised by that, really. Um, Cosgrove is uh, a player who's very important to the way that Aberdeen play the game. Mm. Um, And he is a player who has improved stratospherically over the last two seasons. Um, That said, what is the going rate for someone who scores approximately 20 goals a season for a... top six Scottish Premiership team, you can't really test the market for that because there haven't been very many players who can fit that kind of description. Mm-hmm. Um, one would possibly expect that um, transfer bids and fees will be slightly depressed at the moment uh, than uh, what m- one might normally expect because clubs mm-hmm. everywhere are going to be facing up to a new reality that they're going to have uh, Decreased income uh, for the next six months, 12 months, whatever. Um, you also need to take into consideration, I think, where the bids are coming from. I mean, if uh, to look at Cosgrove as a, as a player, just aesthetically, and, and what he offers to a team, I think you're probably at your expectation of the type of clubs that would be interested in a player like that, you're more likely to be looking at uh, his next destination being England than France, really. Um, I suspect perhaps that's what Cosgrove is thinking as well, because he he clearly wasn't keen. Mm -hmm. Um, That being the case, obviously, it's a well-known fact that English clubs pay more than they should for transfers, pay more than anyone else would for transfers because of the billions that are sloshing around their game from their various commercial contracts. Um, so if, if Aberdeen were to receive an offer from uh, a, a lower English Premiership or a higher English Championship club for Sam Codsgo, one would expect that it would be of a higher number uh, than appears to be the that which they've received from Gangon um, so I think under the circumstances given that there is a known uh, black hole in Aberdeen's finances um, given that Everyone is aware that clubs are going to be less likely to be splashing cash on transfer fees. I don't think it's an enormous surprise that would answer the phone to a bid like that and on balance would say, okay, that's we probably couldn't necessarily expect to to ring very much more out of it than that. Um, The fact that that's been accepted, I accept that probably sets the table now and that if anyone... From the Championship or the English Premiership wanted to come in and make an offer for him then because they know that Aberdeen would accept a bid like that, they're not going to go any higher. Than that. Um, but you know at the end of the day if you look at transfer fees that Aberdeen and clubs like Aberdeen have been able to uh, to achieve for selling their players in the past, numbers like that you know that doesn't look like a low ball that, that's kind of, it's where we're at, it's what mm. we expect. Um, and in terms of this particular player, if you look back, even uh, probably the start of December uh, 2018, if anyone had suggested that you would get £2.4 million for Sam Cosgrove, then, then you know, that know that's completely out of the question, because at that yeah. point, you know, you'd have taken £2.40 at that point. So, um, it's, I think you have to accept the, the economic reality of the situation that you find yourself in, and I think that, that that's where we are and that's reasonable. Um, But that said, I'm glad he said no, and I'm glad he's still here.
0: You mentioned you feel that um, Aberdeen have been at their best under Derek McInnes when they've sort of got that tight midfield and that's where the control comes from. And they do have a lot of midfield options going into this season. Bryson, Ojo, McGiick, and probably the most interesting one is Lewis Ferguson, who was awarded um, Football Writers Association Young Player of the Year uh, for the last season. How good do you think he could be? What are his attributes that are really sort of garnering this attention from not just Aberdeen fans, but sort of the wider Scottish football sphere?
1: I think probably the best thing you could, uh, the biggest compliment you could pay Lewis Ferguson is that you could watch him... um, from one game to the next he produces a very consistently high level of performance and you could watch him forever and not have the faintest idea um how young he is because he doesn't play the game like a young player he plays it as if uh as if he's the boss of the game he plays it as if he's been doing it all his life um and and he's the one uh that the game revolves around um i think he, if anything, will will go on to be even better than he's showing himself to be at the moment because in some respects he's been uh, a victim of his own success at Aberdeen, that he, for one thing, has probably played more uh, than uh, was envisaged and perhaps than is healthy um, because he's become such an important part of the midfield that, um, that there's been almost no circumstance in which Derek Gennett has felt comfortable to, to give him a rest or leave him out. Um, and another part of it being that he because he can do so many things and can do them all so well he has occasionally uh, found himself being uh, the moving piece uh, like amongst the midfield resources. as you say there are so many players there that it's easy to say um, will pick any two of the other three, and then whichever position it's spare, Ferguson can play there because he can, because he's so good. Hmm. Um, but whereas, on a personal level, for Ferguson, perhaps it might be a better thing for him to just be the anchor point, and everyone else to play off and around him. Um, so he, when he when he first arrived, ended up very much being kind of the the, the fulcrum kind of defensive anchor of the midfield um, and then last season uh, because of the the recruitment of the other players that, that came in, obviously uh, Ojo is very much a defensive midfield player and McGeech is a kind of a, a tempo midfield player who isn't going to provide much in the way of uh, goals or assists but is nonetheless very important for uh, the retention of possession and for the, uh, the way that the team then presents itself uh, further up the pitch. Because they were kind of the, the other two, that meant that Ferguson found himself in a much more adventurous and attacking position um, than had previously been the case. Um, but listen, the fact that he can do both and he can do both in such a way that people can look at him playing in a number 10 position or can look at him playing in front of the back four and in either of those positions can say, hey, look, that's a really good young prospect he can go right to the top. I mean, that's there aren't many that I can think of that have come through the ranks, either Aberdeen or indeed anywhere else um, in uh, in the Scottish leagues for years and years, who you could say and sit in either of those positions and be the focal point of the game. Um, and so, you know, he, he can go as far as he likes, really. He is, uh, he is an outstanding prospect. Um, and Aberdeen are, are very fortunate that he's, uh, he's going to do it uh, in our cards.
0: Another player who was maybe um, being discussed in the same sort of vein a couple of seasons ago was Scott McKenna, as he was consistently performing for Aberdeen. But I think there's kind of a perception now that that's perhaps dipped off a bit and some from shouts from some corners saying that Aberdeen should have maybe have taken the money from while it was on the table. Has he really sort of dipped off that much for you and do you think that people are maybe over-exaggerating the decline of Scott McKenna?
1: Yeah I I, I don't think that's necessarily fair, I think possibly what it is more than anything else is simply uh, that he's more uh, he's more recognised he's more in the public eye now um, I think when people were uh, talking about uh, what two summers ago now, clubs like Aston Villa um, and, and Stoke were you know, talking of transfer fees of Five, six, seven million pounds at that point. What you're buying at that point is potential. Um, now that he is, you know, a further two years down the line in his development, and he's played over a hundred games for our first team, and he's entered the double figures in international caps, uh, people are no longer they no longer think of Scott McKenna as buying potential. They think of him as what he is displaying on the pitch right now. Um, so are talking about buying Scotland international centre half, which let's face it, has not been a very expensive commodity uh, for for decades. Um, I think that in in so doing, people do tend to forget just how young he still is. I mean, he he didn't come into the Aberdeen first team um, as a 17 or 18 year old, as a lot of people often do, but still in terms of um, a, a top level central defender, he has a lot of football in front of him. Um, He is, uh, he's a defender of his type. There's no doubt about that. You know, he's not a, um, he isn't Fabio Cannavaro. He's not Paolo Maldini. He is what you would describe as a British central defender. Um, But that is a description because that is the kind of thing that teams value. It's what, Teams want and need. So, I think it is um, it's unfair to say that he is not uh, a five or six million pound player because um, because Aberdeen shipped a, a gold to Hamilton or something like that. You know, fees the, the like that were only ever on the table because of his overall profile and the possibility um, of what he could go on to achieve years down the line. I mean, there are. In the English game, dozens, hundreds of players probably who have been sold at a relatively young age for a transfer fee that people have gone, oh, that's a big number. Then five years down the line, sold on again for £40 million. Um, absolutely no reason why the same thing could not apply in the case of Scott McKenna. You know, if people are going to be spending eight-figure eight transfer fees on players like Donny Evans and things like that, um, he absolutely fits that. Fits that mould, he will continue to be for as long as he is uh, at Pottodry, the absolute linchpin of Bent. Um, he was all of last season. Um, I think a lot of the issues at the team's defence um, seemed to suffer at, at points last season were not necessarily the fault of any of the individual defenders. I think it was more a strategic thing that Aberdeen found it much more difficult to keep control of games that they had got the first goal in, which ended with uh, opponents becoming a lot more encouraged, more, more ambitious, uh, with Aberdeen becoming more kind of nervous, withdrawn, um, giving teams more opportunity to score. Um, and, you know, when a team which had previously been renowned for its defensive solidity and the number of clean sheets they were able to achieve suddenly starts regularly, Uh, shipping goals it is going to look bad and reflect poorly on the individuals who are standing in the back four but it isn't necessarily all down work that they are doing
0: So we've asked all our guests to give their prediction for their side going into the new season so what's your feeling, do you think that Aberdeen can sort of reclaim their spaces the best outside the old firm or will it be a a little bit more of a struggle this, this time around?
1: Um, I think we stand in a relatively strong position by virtue of having uh, a fairly unchanged squad uh, in a league where a lot of others are going to be, unfortunately, suffering from uh, short-term discomfort and pain, uh, through no fault of their own. I have great sympathy with uh, clubs who... Uh, were working under the assumption that they would be able to make progress forward or would at the very least be able to try and build upon something that they've already achieved by by getting into the Premiership or sticking around here and then suddenly find themselves in a situation where uh, they can't sell any tickets and they have to let players go. Um, un- you know, it, It's unfortunate that Aberdeen circumstance are going to be uh, one of the clubs that takes advantage of people who find themselves in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they as is normal at this point uh, or has become normal over the last uh, five or six years Aberdeen's minimum target will again be uh, qualification for Europe uh, through the Premiership um, and going as, as deep in the cup competitions as possibly can. Um, I think there's there's really no reason to expect that Aberdeen won't, at the very least, finish inside top four. Um, they've had a couple of seasons where their performances have generally been what you would describe as insipid or pretty average, um, and yet, in spite of that, they finished fourth on both occasions. Um, you would like to think that some of those issues will have been rectified. They'll make some strides forward, um, and if they're able to do that, then I think fourth should be the should be the, the the, the bare minimum they're looking for um I expect Hibs to challenge for that I think they look um they were a good side last year they they were a handful um whenever we played them and I think they look as if they've made some some good signings albeit at uh, at some at some expense mm-hmm. um I can't really see who else outside of that has made any great progress from where they were last season and again that isn't their fault, it's just you know, the way that, that the chips have fallen um, so because of that you know, Motherwell and Livingston were the, the other two top six teams last year and you would expect them to continue to be, they will continue to do the things well that they did well last year and will um, we'll continue to press uh, the teams who are perhaps uh, spending more money than they are um, but whether they have been able to do anything that would give them that bit extra that would allow them to overhaul those that are in front of them, um, that I, I doubt. So I think um, it's going to be a, a peculiar season, a very unusual season. Um, I think that as far as Aberdeen are concerned, we're probably, um, we're probably looking as we have been for the last uh, three or four or five years, coming down the stretch at the tail end of the season contesting third or fourth spot, probably. Um, trying to tie up a place in Europe and hopefully, um, once again, looking towards the, the latter stages of the Scottish Cup.
0: Well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on. Before I let you go, would you like to let people know where they can find the Red Final on social media and stuff like that, even if there might not be an issue for a bit longer? <laughs> of
1: course, we're uh, We're on both uh, Facebook and Twitter at Red Final. Um, and we have all 140 issues of our uh, back catalogue are available to to download uh, through links on both of those and on our Payhip store um, and as I say there will be another issue out at some point in the future but that's up to Nicholas, <laughs> not
0: me. <laughs> yeah fair enough, well again thank you very much for coming on and thank you for listening to this um, edition of our Scottish Premiership season preview podcasts. We've got uh, one more episode to go tomorrow and after that uh, we're just looking ahead to the new season. There'll be lots of content on energiesport.net and on our Twitter at Sport. so do please keep an eye out for that. Thanks again for listening and we hope to see you again soon. Cheers.